This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Ears up in depth back at you two weeks in a row, Jer. I don't know how you deal with it. How the, lucky are we? The enjoyment that you get to work with me two day, two weeks in a row. It's pretty good. I was looking forward to it very much. In fact, I feel like I was hounding you for a recording time. Well, you were. I like to play hard to work with. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Well, you are an expert. Thanks, man. Uh, so I'm glad we were able to do it tonight. Me too. And uh, I was worried because sometimes we don't have enough to talk about even when we do it every two weeks and having just done it a few days ago. Yeah. But I've got three stories tonight, which is unheard of. It is. Wow. Yeah. Here we go. I probably have four and a couple of sound bites. Uh, Bob Ooh, Chapek I- gave an interview to, the, uh, I guess, on Wall Street Journal or something like that. I, I got some clipping about. I was reading about this. I'm glad yeah. you're covering it because yeah. I don't have this in my list. And uh, this will be interesting to hear. I think so, too. And it sort of goes in line with another story and uh, about uh, prices and stuff like that. So it's, it should be interesting, to say the least. <laughs> OK. Yeah. Uh, we decided before the show that I'm going to go first because I have the the multitude of content. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think it's great. I'm still in agreement of that. And uh, I say, let's launch this rocket. Okay. You know what? Here's a quick, here's a quickie, Jerry. We're going to get right into it just with a quickie. You know, the, um, the hand pulled candy canes at Disneyland and Disney world that everyone's all just foaming at the mouth to get. No, I've never heard of this before in my life. Really? I'm hand pulled candy canes. Yeah. 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 So the confectionery shop or whatever, they, they just hand make candy canes, but they're only available certain amount of uh you know there's a certain amount of them and, they're, and then they're gone so they they do them in, in release they stagger the release a candy cane looks more appetizing when it's being pulled and twisted like that looks good mm-hmm. better than what it is when you get to bite it it's just kind of like then when you eat it you're just like okay it's just peppermint it's just sugar yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just it's rolled a, sugar. but like it looks so good when they're stretching it like that same with taffy yeah it does it's all shiny and because it it's it fools you being looking pliable. It's like, oh, that's easy to eat and whatever. But yeah, uh, and fun and gooey. I like a good candy cane. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know, fine. I mean, I don't I don't um, seek them out necessarily, but we right. buy them for the tree. And it's like, oh, I'll just, you know, you snack. Yeah, on let me one. Just grab one of those. Yeah. yeah, it's easy, easy, easy choice. So Disneyland uh, Resort and Disney Eats on Instagram have shared information on how guests can get their hands on the annual coveted handmade candy canes at Disneyland and DCA. I thought that they were at Disney World. Maybe that's probably why you haven't heard about it. In Disneyland Park, you can get them at the Candy Palace December 4th 
6th, 11th, 13th, 18th, 20th, and 24th. And Disney California Adventure Trolley Treats is where you get these at. And that's the 5th, 7th, 12th, 14th, 19th, 21st, and 25th. Cool. I think that's great. They really are limited. They're not every day, but I think it's awesome that they flip parks so you can get them somewhere. I agree. And so if you want one, you have to use the um, the mobile order system, which will be implemented this year as the quantities of the candy cane are very limited. You can add your name and phone number at the location to receive a text back with a time to return for the opportunity to purchase a candy cane. So it's sort of like a virtual queue. You leave a reservation and maybe you'll get one. Maybe you won't. I don't know. They're not available through mobile order, but I think, but you use, you use the system, I guess. I don't, it's a little confusing. So if you want it in the parks, check it out. And I know people are like bummed out if they don't get it. It's like a thing. It's some people's ritual every December to go and get one of these. Just cool, I guess. Well, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, you walk down, you walk down Harbor, cross Catella, there's a CVS right there. They got loads <laughs> of candy. You know what's, you know what's hard to find? And I don't mean, I'm not trying to be one of those guys, but like candy canes made in the USA. I would think like with how much, like how big we are on Christmas in, in the holidays and like decorating trees and stuff, you would find American made candy canes. They're very hard to find. Almost impossible. Really? Yeah. It's where, weird. Where are candy canes made? Uh, Europe? Mexico and some other countries. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I just find it weird. And you know, I'll still buy them. I'm not going to like boycott. Like I said, I'm not trying to be a lifted truck guy. But it's just, I don't know, it's weird. Sometimes you just want to like, I wonder if there's any little, you know, company making candy canes, try to support people. Yeah, it would be weird. nice to, to well buy local. That's a whole thing. You do that. Yeah. And it, it would be nice to be able to support, uh, you know, our friends here as well. But uh, I guess we can't. No. Those with bibs aren't getting first dibs. To buy Run Disney merchandise, you'll need to queue on the app. And many Run Disney runners think that's a bunch of crap. <laughs> That's your double rhyme. That's the double rhyme. I love it. This week, Run Disney announced a change coming to the Run Disney Health and Fitness Expo. Speaking of candy cane. (laughs) I love how we dovetail stories together. Right. And they're excited to share the news with us to buy official Run Disney branded merchandise on the first day of the expo for next weekend's wine and dine half marathon weekend at Walt Disney World. Attendees will need to join a virtual to wait for a spot to open up in the run disney official merchandise section and they love this virtual queue option they love control it's all just about control yeah you are here now you have to go here they, they just want to move me around like a chess piece that's what it is man you know yeah run disney made this announcement this week and here's what they said the countdown is on to start the to the start of the run disney race season and as participants gear up for the 2022 disney wine and dine half marathon week on weekend powered by shocks we're excited to share news of an exciting new enhancement oh to the run disney health and fitness expo you're like oh what are they doing for us hurting us around like cattle For the first time, we're bringing the magic of virtual queues to attendees looking to purchase event weekend merchandise on the first day of the expo. Get out of here. The magic of virtual queues. Yep. What a wow. They talk about putting lipstick on a pig like that is (laughs) incredible salesmanship. They think it's like corporate speak leaking out into the into the, the press release. That's terrible. How lucky are we? Oh, we're so blessed. I'm surprised they didn't put hashtag blessed in there. <laughs> hashtag you're blessed. Yeah. 
it is it's like the mad someone wrote that <laughs> the magic of virtual cues this isn't the rough draft of this ad right this is the final copy this went through editing and was proofread and editor someone okayed it and said yep good to go the yeah. magic of virtual cues that'll make yeah it- <laughs> It's almost like they're they're trying to make virtual cues a more positive thing, like there's a backlash against them, which maybe there is. I don't know. But I think most people, my opinion, most people are probably just like, well, don't really have a solid opinion on it either way. So it's sort of like, do you love virtual cues? And you're like, yeah, I sort of do. But now that you're trying to make them magical, I don't really. What? I don't know. Seems weird. Right. It's like loving anything that's just transactional. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love the switch from checks to debit cards, but I don't know that it's magical. <laughs> sure you do. That also happened like 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was all I could think of that fast. Now you'll be able to spend more time enjoying your expo experience and visiting with expo vendors all while waiting in line for merchandise virtually. Visiting, See, because- with, visiting with, with... Hey, expo vendor. How are you? Yeah, how are the kids? Oh my God, I haven't seen you since last run. Long time, right? No, I don't want to buy anything. I just want to check on you. I just wanted to visit. Do you have any tea? (laughs) I think that the virtual queue, first of all, I don't like virtual queues because I have no idea how to use them. People are like, oh, you got to join the virtual queue. And once someone tells me that, I'm like, well, I'm not going to because I don't know where that is or how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I'm just not doing that experience. And that's fine. Yeah, because it's just a ride with screens anyway. (laughs) So the good news is you can join the virtual queue in six easy steps. That's right. Six. (laughs) Okay. I don't care how easy they are. There's still six things to do. Right. I have to memorize those in order. Yeah. What are they? Step one, open the My Disney Experience app and navigate to the virtual queue section of the welcome screen. Wow, I think I just learned how to do virtual queues. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you I go. Didn't know also, I didn't know that it was in the app. I didn't know where it yeah. was. Oh, yeah. Um, also, that's two. When you, when you include the word and, that's in addition to, which is the second step. That is two. I wanted to, to note that because they give you six easy steps, Yeah, but they've combined most of them. So it's really like 12. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get your steps in, Jeremy. Step two, in this section, visit the tab labeled ESPN Wide World of Sports. Then tap Join Virtual Queue on the My Queue screen and select the Run Disney Merchandise Shop. Guests can request to join the virtual queue at 7.30 a.m. Eastern on November 3rd. Wow. No, while the virtual queue will open at 7.30 a.m., additional availability may open up throughout the day. It doesn't say it will. It just says it may. May not. Step three, select the number of guests. Up to six people in total in your shopping party. Tap join virtual queue again. Note: all members of your shopping party must be added to your My Disney Experience friends and family list prior to joining the virtual queue. So if you have people who aren't like regular Disney goers or whatever, like you've got to get them set up with a profile and then link it. Learn more about how to add your friends. It's like, okay, so that's like three steps. Step four. If spots remain in the virtual queue, you'll see a confirmation screen with an estimated wait time. Note your estimated wait time will be based on an expo opening time of 10 a.m. So don't be alarmed if your wait appears long. Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. I'm alarmed. Step five, you'll receive a push notification directly to your mobile device when your group is ready to return. Once received, you'll have an one hour to arrive at the Advent Health Arena at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex after you've been notified. 
which that's not really long enough because hmm. if you go to Disney's website, when they talk about all their bus transportation, getting from here to there, yeah. they Walt Disney world suggests giving yourself 90 minutes to get from one place to another on, on, on park property. Wow. Now, obviously it can take a lot less time than that, but that's their recommendation. So it takes them off the hook if you if the, you know, their transportation takes too long and you miss a res, a reservation for something. Yeah, so sure. Their recommendation is ninety minutes, but here you only have an hour. So if you're at the back of say Magic Kingdom Park in a in a line mm-hmm. in a real queue, and you either if you wait till the end of it or you leave it and you have to go all the way to the front of the park, get a ferry boat to the transportation and ticket center, <laughs> or get on a boat to a resort, then you got to get in another bus and take the bus over to Advent Health, that could well take more than an hour. Easily. Sounds terrible. So that's not even enough. So I guess if you're going to queue up, you can just stay closer, plan your trip to figure out how to be closer to that area, I would imagine. Right. So anyone who has made, because they've only announced this two weeks before the race. Yeah. So anyone who has advanced dining reservations... What if it what if it pops up in the middle oh, of your si- you're sitting down to lunch? Yeah. Oh, Lord. People have stuff. People have made plans. What if you're on your plane? Like you can't even, if you're not within 45 miles of Disney World, you can't even get into the virtual queue. Hmm. So we're going to hear more about that in a little bit. Once you arrive, follow the signs to the check in area, blah, blah, blah. Show the QR code. Things to note. Golden Platinum Club run Disney members need not join the virtual queue. Oh, of course. Right. They, uh, they put the tier in. Right. Paying. You've paid for the opportunity to not wait to pay for our merchandise. Right. Congratulations. <laughs> the virtual queue is required for the run Disney merchandise shop only on Thursday, November 3rd. After that, it will just be an open queue. Standby okay. lines will not be available this day. All guests must use the virtual queue to shop the official merchandise. So you can still go to the rest of the expo and see all the third party vendors go pick up your bib. You don't need any virtual queuing for that. It's just for the Disney official merchandise shop, which is always in a separate pavilion. Anyhow, this will not affect me. Okay. Because I have an aversion to ugly, poor quality, overpriced running apparel. <laughs> I generally don't want any of this. Yeah, it was Taryn and I walked in. I was like, oh, this is, you know, okay, cool. Not for me. However, having said that, I can understand having I've been doing this for a number of years, Mm -hmm. but for my first half marathon or my first full marathon. Yeah, I wanted I understand that you would want to. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of effort. You've trained for six months. You've put in a lot of time. I can understand wanting to buy a souvenir, an official souvenir that has the race that you ran on it. Sure. And get that. Yeah. So I totally I totally get that. And it, it may not even be running apparel. Maybe you want a magnet. Maybe you want a mug or something like that. So I, I absolutely get the, the sentiment of if it's your first time and you want to do that. So I'm not I'm not trying to be too judgy, but sure. don't spend too much money on those because like it's just not that well made. If you're like a runner and you run in like New Balance or Adidas or Nike, you're like, you put this stuff on. It's terrible. <laughs> Uh, so the run, run Disney community went into a nuclear meltdown with this news, as you might imagine. Apparently, these virtual queues aren't as magical as Disney thinks. Quote, uh, one person quoted on the Run Disney at, um, Facebook page. What if I work or live in the area? I work till 430 and can't get down there till 530. How am I supposed to time that with the virtual queue? Because mm-hmm. they might get in the virtual queue, but you can't leave your job. Whereas 
this person otherwise would have headed over at 530, stood in line in the queue, gotten their bib, done what they had to do. Another person, right. you're making it difficult for this, for those of us that are taking a morning off work to um, on the day of, on day one. Now our whole day is screwed up and we have to figure out what to do. People fly in and drive in and you're screwing them over too. At least with the first come first serve, we know what we're getting and we choose to be there. One response on the Run Disney site was slightly more constructive, offering how this could have been handled better. Have this um, run through the Run Disney account, not through the My Disney Experience app, because all the runners have a My Disney account also, okay, which is separate from the My Disney Experience app, which why is that? <laughs> um, and you have to be registered for the race to be let in. That guarantees that runners have access to the merchandise that's meant for them. Okay, so not just like schlubs who aren't going to race. They can come in and buy stuff, I guess, on that first day. But it's only the first day, right? I mean. Yeah, but Disney doesn't make enough of any of this stuff. And they make it in all the wrong sizes. You get there on on Thursday. You get there on Friday and it's all extra larges. Mm. I'm fine with that. Okay. That's me. Offer race-specific merchandise. This is an excellent point. How about you offer race-specific merchandise in a tent at the end of the race? So those that can't get into the expo can still get the merch for their race. Yeah, split it up. Someone else says, I am not fond of Run Disney telling me when I can go shopping. People have park reservations and dining reservations to work around. So pissed. I live in Tampa. I can't enter the queue due to being over 45 miles away. And unless I either drive over super early or at a hotel stay, there is no guarantee I get to shop. That's the most sort of entitled comment I think I've ever heard. I don't know. It seems weird. It's like, oh, you mean I can't I have I've read the rules. I can't do this thing unless I have to do this other thing. Well, I'm upset that I can't do this. Th- I don't know. It just seems like no. the argument isn't really that great. It's like, okay, either I get there early or I have to stay the night over to do the thing. No, because it's not a case of I read the rules and I disagree. It's a case of we introduced a new rule. You registered for this nine months ago. You paid. You're running the marathon. She paid $400 at least, I think, probably. Mm-hmm. I think it's maybe it's three something to run the marathon. This person paid $300 or whatever it is to run this race, booked this nine months ago. They're changing the rules two weeks before. That's uh, not right. Okay, you have I to see. get this in check. If you're going to make changes like this, people are, have international flights. Yeah, I see. So I, see. I disagree. They have to get it right. And you've got to, you can't, if you want to change this in a virtual queue, you have to say, when's the next registration? We'll implement it for whatever that race is so we can be upfront with everyone. I defend. That person. (laughs) So that's what's happening in the world of Run Disney. Our friends at the 21st Amendment Brewery welcomed the warmer weather with the release of their brand new hoppy pilsner, Coaster Pills. With a label that depicts a magical portal into an amusement park of flavors, Coaster Pills has a good time around every turn. Coaster Pills is wonderfully clear and bright with a beautiful straw color and tight white bubbles. It has a snappy flavor with crisp lines and wonderful citrus tropical hoppy flavors and aromas. Plus, at 5.4% ABV, it'll help you coast right through your day like only the 21st Amendment can. Coast your pills, as well as our summertime favorite Hell or High Watermelon Wheat, are available wherever you find great craft beer. I mean, in theory, I like a virtual queue. You know, if it works that way for like Disney dining, I've always enjoyed the uh, the, the mobile ordering. I think that's great. But no, I can see like, where like they change ice cream. it. I don't like it. It's like, oh, I want an ice cream cone. Okay, mobile order. It'll be ready in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I just want to eat an ice cream cone. I don't want to walk around and wait 45 minutes to have this cone. Like I'm just, it's let's move on by this cone. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I've never experienced it for snacks and stuff, but for meals and everything, I don't know. I kind of like it. I think it's an, I think it's a usable idea. It's serviceable in the parks because you can go to something else. Right. But for this, what are you going to do? It's the wide world of sports. It's not like there's a ton of other things to do. And if you end up leaving, you're not going to get back in time. So it's like, now I'm just held hostage at this wide world of sports. There's not that much going on there. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Uh, Jeremy, do you watch Doctor Who? No. The uh, venerable BBC uh, show that's been on for like 60 years or something like that. Is that the guy who talks to the animals? That's Doctor Doolittle. Ah. Yeah. Bless your heart. Bless your heart, Jeremy. The BBC is partnering with Disney to bring upcoming episodes of Doctor Who to the Disney Plus streaming platform for global audiences. New episodes of the uh, TV show will air on the BBC for the UK and Ireland with Disney Plus becoming the exclusive home for new seasons of Doctor Who for everybody else. Doctor Who will return to screens in November 2023 to coincide with the 60th anniversary. Uh, but today's announcement of a partnership between BBC and Disney Plus only refers to episodes being aired from 2023 onward, which means you'll still need a subscription to HBO Max to watch existing episodes in the US. While UK based fans of the show can watch seasons 1 through 13 on BBC iPlayer, or you can VPN, use a VPN and fake it, and you, you know, you can watch it wherever you want. Uh, So outside the UK, you'll need to maintain two streaming service subscriptions to have access to the series in its entirety. Blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter. The point is they're bringing uh, new episodes of Doctor Who to Disney Plus. I'm pretty excited about it. I will say I haven't caught up with the with the a lady Doctor Who now past couple of years. I forget her name now. Judy something. Um, But I haven't caught up on those. But uh, I like the series. You know, they rebooted it, I think, 2008. Did a great job. I really enjoy it. I'm a big doc. I'm, I'm a Doctor Who fan. I wouldn't say I'm a big Doctor Who fan, but, um, you know, it's nice to see sort of Disney getting these. I don't know. I like it. I don't think they own Doctor Who. I don't think they bought the rights. I just they're just partnering. Right. With the BBC. For you. Yeah. Some content. Yeah. Which is good because then I think it's not going to change. They don't have creative control over it. It's not going to be like these other things. Really. Like, oh, we bought Star Wars or we bought Marvel. And now we can say whatever, you know, whatever happens. Doctor Who is now a dog for 12 seasons. It's just they don't. Yeah, they, they can't screw it up. I like it. Right. Be a content delivery vehicle, not a content creator. That's right. That's what you're telling Disney to do. That is what I'm I telling think Disney the to do. BBC should change their name to the BBD because they got Disney. <laughs> you know, I love that. I love that, Jeremy. Thank you. He's the director behind Beetlejuice and Alice in Wonderland, but he soon may be finished with the Walt Disney brand. <laughs> Tim Burton, the legendary director behind such famous movies as Big Fish, Edward Scissorhands, and Disney's latest live action movie, Dumbo, may no longer be making movies for Disney. Wow. Have you heard about this? I've seen the headlines. Oh, okay. But I've been waiting for you to tell me all about it. Oh, I appreciate that. The director recently received a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Lumiere Film Festival in Lyon, France. Following his award, he held a press conference where he discussed many topics, but notably brought up his strained relationship with Disney, which has been focused almost exclusively on projects associated with Marvel, Star Wars, and Pixar as of late. Burton said in the presser, quote, it's gotten very homogenized, very consolidated. There's less room for different types of things. Which almost sounded like a Walt Disney quote. 
<laughs> yeah. Though Burton got his start with Disney in the film industry in the early 1980s, he said he is not sure that his current creative interests align with the general direction Disney has taken. Interesting. When, when asked, he said he would pass on the opportunity to, to direct a Marvel film, stating, I can only deal with one universe. I can't deal with a multi-universe. <laughs> I don't think that I would like a Tim Burton Marvel movie. I, I don't think that's what Tim Burton does well. Like an action movie like that? I, I, I wouldn't like that. Burton drew parallels between his own life and the film Dumbo. The thing about Dumbo is that, sorry, this is a quote. The thing about Dumbo is that, is that's why I think my days with Disney are done. I realized that I was Dumbo, that I was working in this horrible big circus and I needed to escape. <laughs> that movie is quite autobiographical at a certain level. Wow. So Jim Burton Escaping. doesn't know if he's going to be, he had to escape the big circus that is Disney. I feel like that too. When I'm getting on the monorail and heading far away. Oh, yeah, for sure. You got to get out of this circuit. I mean, I can sort this of. doesn't align with me. Yeah, I can sort of understand. I can sort of understand that. Like Tim Burton making movies for Disney is sort of, you know, weird. I imagine there's a lot of barriers to being creative. And that Tim Burton has a big enough name recognition that he can sort of do whatever he wants. But also, right. You know, Disney's not going to let Tim Burton be Tim Burton. I mean, he's done them. A number of Disney movies. Sure. Yeah, but I think um but I think there's been a fair amount of kickback on the on the set about those movies too. Oh. So over to you. Thought you're gonna call me a name. I was trying I was, and then I was like, ah, stop. Over to you, bud. (laughs) (laughs) We're actually gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back and we have a few more news items to get through. So hang out, everybody. It's ears up in depth. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back to the newsroom on In-Depth. All right. Thanks for hanging, everybody. Got a few more news stories to dig through. We do. One of them is, uh, Jeremy, you reported, I think, last last week on the last show, maybe a couple shows ago. I can't really remember. Uh, there was a, a lawsuit about the um, annual passes and the blackout dates where people were upset. The class. Yeah, action that suit. wasn't last week, but that was, there was a class action suit in Disneyland. That's all. Uh, I don't really remember anything more from it. I don't <laughs> okay. know. Do they win? What's is it still? No, I think I, I think, think it was done. I, no, it's not done. I don't think it even went to court yet. I think it was approved to go to court or something like that. Yes. Well, anyway, yeah, there's that was the last I reported. On. There's yet another lawsuit, another class action. Two people filed a class action lawsuit in late October, which I think was just this week, actually, accusing the company of deceptive business practices for its rule changes around annual pass holders post pandemic. So, first of all, we are not post pandemic. We are still currently in the pandemic. So nothing about the world right now is post pandemic. I don't think so. Didn't the government or the WHO say it's like technically it's over? I don't believe so. I don't think so. I thought that came out or maybe Biden said it. Biden said it. And I was like, man, come on, dude. Get out of town. You can't be post pandemic when you have three to four hundred people a day dying in the country. You just can't. You can't. You can't. But anyway, (laughs) whatever. 
dear. Um, that was filed on October 18th. Uh, this is from the lawsuit. Disney has abused a global pandemic to take advantage of its platinum pass holders and platinum plus pass holders, even after the threat of the pandemic has subsided. Again, there's nothing non-threatening about what's happening in the world, but that's OK. That's fine. Disney yeah, can- well, I think they mean post lockdown. Well, if, if that's what they mean, then 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 they should say that. I don't know. Whatever. Um, the crux of the issue is around Disney's old system of annual passes, which allowed people entrance to the park all year. Generally speaking, two of those types of passes, Platinum and Platinum Plus Pass, did not have blackout dates. These dates, which affected the cheaper gold and silver annual passes, tended to correspond with high attendance at the parks. The two customers purchased Platinum Plus Passes. One of the plaintiffs said she bought one for herself and each member of their family for $633 a piece. The other person, whose pass is set to expire in 2030, which, that doesn't make any sense. 2030? I think they mean 2023. They probably missed a two. Yeah. And then put an extra zero. And put an O after it and (laughs) then switch this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, paid $67.75 a month. Uh, quote, prior to March 15th, 2020, Platinum Pass and Platinum Plus Pass holders were permitted to go to all four Florida Disney parks 365 days a year with zero blackout dates or restrictions. Then after coronavirus, Disney effectively introduced blackout dates as well as other restrictions, presumably for crowd control. Now Disney has a reservation system for all visitors, including annual passes. The lawsuit contends only a certain number of platinum pass holders are allowed a day, ruling some days out. Further, the group was not allowed to make more than five days of reservations at a time, and you couldn't book days again until your trip had passed. The lawsuit says, quote, this meant that in order for plaintiffs to make a reservation for the month of November, while currently in the month of May, they would be unable to use their platinum pass for nearly six months. So you planning your vacation in advance means you can't go... In a quick one, you can't go in the interim. Oh, that's but that's that is a bummer. You and I were speaking about this a little bit before the show, and we're both like, I don't really know whose side I am on. I yeah, now I'm sort of on their side. Like that's that is sort of messed up. I agree because if you have an annual pass, the idea is that you should be able to make mul- you should be able to plan multiple trips at the same time. Yes, that's true <laughs> because yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. Okay, and the deny that's a bad one. Yeah, it's like bad. if you want to go. Uh, let's say your family is planning a family reunion at Disney World next year in February. You book your tickets, you book your thing. You can't go until then. It it, you, you well, that's not true. You can, but you have to pay. Right. And this right. is this is so this is the piece, because this is precisely why back in the day I was in the same. I should join this lawsuit. I was <laughs> buying. I would have a friend coming mm-hmm. and I would have to either decide, do I not go between now and then? Do I go now and then roll the dice that those di- that those days will be available as I get closer? And what was happening was I was rolling the dice and I was getting closer. And then my friend would arrive and I would like Libby would get to town. And I was like, I don't have a, a reservation for day X. And then I have to buy yeah. a ticket. Yeah. Ah, they get you twice, Jer. I should join this. You should. Honestly, yeah. everyone should. It sounds like, gee, but if I'm part of a lawsuit, I'd have to be mum on here. Throw away the key. Come on here and talk about it. Well, that's fine. We'll just we'll just I'll just talk about it in the news, and you could just sit there. 
Uh, the lawsuit contends that none of these restrictions were in the original agreements of the passes purchased and that thus the company is engaging in things like unjust enrichment and in violation of the Florida Deceptive and Unfair Trade Practices Act. Disney now offers a different set of passes. The plaintiff said that their passes were switched unilaterally to a new one, the Increda Pass, which is a great name, which has more restrictions and fewer benefits than the platinum one they purchased. Disney responded, annual pass holders continue to be some of our biggest fans and most loyal guests. We've been upfront with pass holders about that. So that is so a weird compliment because it's like you are a big fan of me and you are loyal to me. It's not we value those guests. That's an adjective that describes Mm. those guests, but it doesn't say how you feel that they are important to your business. No, but I think it's a you love us. That is basically (laughs) saying you love us. You keep wanting to come here. That is like that's but that's a weird way of complimenting them without really complimenting. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's complimentary. Like they're our biggest fans because that's all. That's that's not a compliment. Yeah, it is. I think it is, especially in in this fandom. I think it totally is. That's I think why a lot of people like the prestige of annual passes because they're 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 a bigger Disneyland fan than than people who don't have one. I have an annual pass. It's an adjective. You can be a big fan, but if they're telling, they're just saying you're our biggest fan. That's mm-hmm. like saying you come here a lot. Well, yeah, that's a true observation. Well, what do you think about? That? I think that's different. You come here a lot versus you are one of our biggest fans. No, yeah, no, it's I agree. the same thing. It continues. You're just basically saying, hi, you really love me a lot. Like that would be yeah. like if I was writing you a card and said, you adore me. Well, let's say that's not nice. That's not a compliment. Watch this. Mr. P, you're one of my biggest fans. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I insulted him. How about that? That doesn't do anything for him. We've been upfront with pass holders about the updates we've made, and we've offered them flexibility to opt in or opt out of the program early in the pandemic, including refunds if they desired. This lawsuit mischaracterizes the program and its history, and we will respond further in court. So. On the one hand, Disney did. I mean, these people are saying they were not upfront when these plans were switched. But Disney, as we've covered on the show, they're sort of like over communicative in this aspect about people can still do um, refunds. Here's all the information. Here's how it's going to work. So everybody knew this. I feel like these people were like, ah, well, well, just let it roll over. Let's get the new one. But you don't realize the thing is what you don't realize as a customer is when the rubber hits the road. When you go to make those distant park reservations and realize, oh, no, I'm out for the next three months. Mm -hmm. It it may have sort of stated that, but it doesn't it's hard to put that together until you do it. And you go, wait a minute, we can't go next week. Right. We've just shut ourselves off. Holy crap. So I do think that there's a level of that's deceptive. Yeah. I mean, a a little bit. The lawsuit also states that uh, as Disney reopened. During the pandemic, it instituted a park pass system requiring guests to make a reservation in addition to a valid admission ticket to gain entry into a Disney park. The park imposed the measure as a way of limiting capacity in line with a pandemic era social distancing requirement. But the plaintiffs allege that the parks have kept the system in place despite the fact that the state has lifted all coronavirus related restrictions on businesses. To that, I say, so what? The point of the park, the point of what they're trying to do is to limit the amount of people in the park to give you a better guest experience. So they raise the prices, get less people in, let less people in at the time. That's what everybody's always been complaining about. There's too many people. Now they're trying to limit too many people because you can't get in because you're affected. Now you're mad. 
Yeah, but they're not. It's not happening. And it has nothing. Mm. It's true. It's so, they sold us a bill of goods. They sold this reservation system to us as though it was a part of social distancing. There's no social distancing markers in the parks. Yeah. There's barely any hand sanitizer. So don't tell me that this is for <laughs> any sort of um, for my safety. And and it's not even look at how crowded the parks are there. There's this isn't for our enjoyment. It's to maximize profits. Oh, Get of course. Out of here. Yeah. Uh, specifically, they allege that Disney has seemingly implemented a system in which only a certain amount of pass holders can make a reservation per day, despite the park still having availability for other types of reservations, such as single day passes. Which exactly to the point, yeah. it's not about crowd control because you're still selling other types of tickets. The, plaintiffs, the park was full. The park was full. This is my favorite part. The plaintiffs claim they made, <laughs> quote, dozens of phone calls to Disney expressing their frustration. Can you imagine being on the receiving end of these phone calls? Well, there's no number. I mean, you call. It's always some like person who's like, first of all, you get that horrible voice. Have you ever <laughs> called? Yeah. It's like, thank you for calling the Disney Resort. <laughs> one for California and you're like oh my god 30 minutes later you've pressed every button on the phone and then they're like we're gonna get you to your person and then that person has no clue oh and yeah then you're like, god I've been waiting for two hours um one such phone call now th- okay get this one such phone call included a 13 hour hold period absolutely that's what happens I don't believe it I don't oh. believe that the waiting on a hold for 13 hours. No phone system in the world lets you be on hold for 13 hours. It 100 percent does. This is not uncommon. This they have had no support. They have no one answering these phones. I've waited. I've waited for probably three because you just put it on hold and you're like, OK, I'll just sit here. Hmm. 13 hours. I don't believe I it. believe it. I don't believe it. The lawsuit states that one of the plaintiffs <sighs> even sent, quote, numerous emails to then Disney CEO Robert Iger, but received no helpful action. So once again, Chapek is left holding the bag from Iger's, uh, you know, missteps. Well, if I listen to everyone else, <laughs> why didn't Bob yeah. Iger forward it to the guy who's running parks and resorts, who at the time was Bob Chapek? <laughs> That's what I got in the new lawsuit. So we will uh, definitely keep you posted. Yeah, new development. I'm joining that lawsuit. I've totally switched to the other side. Before the show, we were talking and I said there's a difference between legal or illegal and sucks. Yeah. And I thought, well, it's not illegal, but it sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Nay, nay, nay. I think I'm illegal now. Okay. Do it, man. They're they're breaking laws. Yeah. He was trying to open doors in the Magic Kingdom lot while toting a gun loaded and ready to take a shot. (laughs) (laughs) I barely got through that one. A man from Haines City, Florida, which is quite close to where uh, I reside, Uh was roaming the parking lot at the Magic Kingdom at Disney World, trying to gain entry into vehicles for more than 10 minutes. Jordan Brown, a 28 year old. Uh, from Haines City, as I said, was arrested and has been charged with carrying a concealed firearm, loitering and driving with a suspended driver's license on August 8th. Disney security noticed Brown trying to open door handles on multiple parked vehicles. And they saw him like raise a key fob into the air, acting like he's trying to find his vehicle. OK, yeah, smart. But, like he was trying to open minivans, SUVs, pickup trucks, sedans. Golf carts, go. He's he was trying to open anything. So come on, you know. Yeah, you know. I love parking oh, my oh, go kart in Disney. Yeah. <laughs> After trying to open several vehicles, Brown gave up and left the transportation and ticket center in a gray Cadillac. 
Mm, wow. He was immediately pulled over on World Drive and questioned by the sheriff about his odd behavior. I've been questioned about odd behavior. <laughs> For sure, man. Mainly being from Florida. <laughs> I'm not from Florida. Brown told the officer he went there to put a surprise gift in his girlfriend's car. Mm-hmm. He said the car she drives is a silver Elantra, which in his defense is easily confused with minivans and SUVs. <laughs> sure. And pickup trucks. Absolutely. The arrest report noted Brown had multiple suspensions and issues with his driver's license. According to the arresting officer, quote, as he was handing me the ID card, Brown stated he has not gotten a driver's license because he just paid off all of his tickets and they told him he had to wait 30 days. Hmm. So he obeys some rules, but clearly not others. As Brown was explaining the issue with his driver's license, I, I'm back to quoting the uh, officer. Okay. As Brown was, I should use a different voice. <laughs> As Brown was explaining the issue with his driver's license, I, I observed a black handgun oh. on the driver's floorboard immediately below Brown and within immediate reach of him. I drew my agency issued firearm and ordered him out of the vehicle. Of course you did. On the, well, a guy has a gun on the car. Yeah, but on yes. the floor, he's not even reaching for it yet. I don't know. Anyway, no. I'm not a cop, but you I just draw your car. No, you mm-hmm. pull that because it's within his reach. He's got a gun on the floor of the car. He's got suspicious behavior at a Disney parking lot. Draw your arm, draw your firearm, pull him out and get him out of there. Mm-hmm. Authorities could not locate any records of Brown having any concealed weapons permit in Florida, although he did have one that expired last year in Alabama. The report continued. Brown was knowingly carrying about his person a firearm on the floorboard of the driver's seat. The firearm was loaded with a full magazine with a round in the chamber. It was not securely encased and was readily accessible to him while he was sitting in the driver's seat. I'm on the floor. Like, that's going to get caught in your pedals, man. Come on. It wasn't up under the pedals. It was, if it's under the pedals, he can't see it because the dashboard would. No, I'm saying, but he's riding around with it on the floorboard uh, in the driver's side. I would, I would be so scared. I couldn't I have anything like that. I, That's what I'm, I'm saying. Of, I'm afraid of anything in my car. That's my point. Is that right. you're driving around, this gun's going to slide underneath your pedal? Sliding around, yeah. it's going to be going off like, like a Roman candle down there. <laughs> That's how guns work. <laughs> you know what I mean? My mind, doesn't, my mind doesn't understand that. Like, if I see a gun, I'm like, it's going to go off. It'll just go off. It Don't will. breathe on it. Yeah. You can't look at it. You can't look at guns. <laughs> I have no understanding yeah. of how these things work. Which is so why like, in, in police training, they have uh, the, the glasses for blind people, just the dark glasses, because they can't look at the gun. It'll start going off. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want that thing just going off with a, a dirty look. Yeah. So anyway, this guy's been arrested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. <clears throat> with good reason. With good reason. Get him off the street. Speaking of uh, people to keep on the streets, heroes, Bob Chapek uh, gave an interview oh, to Wall Street, <laughs> Wall Street Journal the other day, and uh, it was a video interview, and there's a couple of good quotes that I sort of want to play. One of them is, let's see, what is it? Let's see if it's, see if I got this queued up properly. Yeah, let's see. This is all on the, the uh, Chapek on the future of streaming and Disney parks, and they talk a lot about pricing. Do you worry? Oh, what an electric speaker. You you mentioned the the, the passionate Disney fan base. It is passionate. They go online. They have forums. Mm -hmm. They debate your pricing. Some love it. Some hate it. What's the line on continuing to manage it as you have, but not alienating those customers, those diehards? We want to guarantee a great guest experience no matter when people come. 
If they come the second Tuesday in September, we want them to have a great guest experience. Maybe that wouldn't be so hard in the past. But if they come the day after Thanksgiving, we also want to guarantee that they're going to have a great experience. The people who actually come into the park that day, we want them to have a great experience so that no matter what day you come, you are guaranteed to get that magical experience that creates magical memories that last a lifetime. In a world where we don't control demand, you're left with one of two situations. You either let way too many people into the park where they don't have a great experience, or you manage it by just turning people away at the gate. Now, imagine if you're a family from Seattle and you come to Disneyland, you come for a two or three day stay, you're there at 10 o'clock in the morning and you're turned away because we won't let too many people in the park. So, what we developed during the uh, COVID shutdown is a reservation system. So, we can plan like every other business out there, like an airline that's got fixed capacity, like an airline, hotel, cruise industry. We developed a reservation system so people would know ahead of time whether they were going to get in or not. And then we practiced yield management, which again, which every other company in the world can do uh, so that we, you know, have pricing be a reflection of how many people we can actually let in and still guarantee that great experience. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, A few notes there. One is, uh, you know, saying when you don't control the demand for your product. And that's sort of true. They can't control how many people come in. I mean, Disney really doesn't advertise per se, traditionally. You know what I mean? Maybe there's some banner ads on a couple sites or whatever, but they don't really need to do that. They don't really need to drive demand. I don't know. And so that was an interesting, um, I don't know, interesting. I actually think he makes fantastic points. You can't just walk up and get on a plane. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's a fixed capacity issue. And you get to buy a ticket and you have a reservation. You have a seat yeah. Same with a cruise. He's absolutely right. And the other part is basically he's going, what would you rather do? Get rid of the reservations and then get turned away or which is what used to happen. Right. Or be guaranteed a spot in. It's inconvenient. And I'm not saying that the situation is um, non fluid or it's not perfect. I'm not saying it's perfect. Because uh, clearly in the last story we read about the lawsuit, <laughs> there's some issues. People are still confused about it. I don't know. To me, it makes perfect sense. Um, they just need to figure out how to, you can plan a big trip and then still go, you know, for a weekend spontaneously or at least try to. They just need to figure that out. Well, uh, look, I think he makes great points. I think the the difference is, is that airlines add capacity. They have more flights. They, you know, like an airline American Airlines isn't the same size it, as it was in 1971, but Disney has the same number of resorts in America as it does since 1971. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that you can like, yes, that's true. But why aren't you increasing capacity to meet demand so that you aren't pissing everyone off? Well, they are in Disneyland, at least. Uh, but why, why isn't there another why, make another Magic Kingdom park? Make a Disney's America like, build stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Here's another it's quote. Insane. I don't have a clip for, but it's a quote. I ran a park for seven years, so I was quite familiar with how passionate fans can be. If we move a churro cart 10 feet, it's a big deal. If we change an attraction from Tower of Terror to Guardians of the Galaxy, while the lines went from 30 minutes long to six hours long. Um, here's another. 
Here's another. Now he's lost me because (laughs) don't minimize our passion. He said no one's pissed off if they move a churro cart. He knows that's not what it's about. That's not what we're online complaining about. And that's ridiculous. But he's minimizing us. He's minimizing us and saying we care about what the location of a churro cart. What people are passionate about is the overlays, the IP introduction into the parks, at least with Epcot and like poor quality shows that have no storyline. Those well, are the things that Disney has come. We don't care. Shut here, up. That's, listen and to that's this. demeaning. And that is it's insulting to You're those crazy. exact fans. And I am pissed now. So he crazy. had me and now he lost me. Well, here, here's the justification. It probably dovetails in with uh, what I just we read. Always knew, which is at Disney, it's all about the cast. If you think about the nature of why people have great Disney memories, remember the end benefit is memories, magical memories that last a lifetime. The reason they have those yeah, it's about the castle, and yeah, it's about the great attractions, or they really enjoyed that churro on Main Street. But really, what they remember more than anything is gas, guest, cast interactions. And so if that's the secret sauce for making those magical memories, when I ran parks for, gosh, I don't know what it was, like seven years, almost, I would say, 99% of the letters I got were about guest, cast interactions, not about attractions, literally. It was almost every single one. So if that's the key to a great guest experience, and we're all about the guest and the audience and maximizing their experience, then you have to make sure that the cast is at the center of everything that you do. So a couple things to note there. One, they're talking about how how great the cast members are. But as we discussed last week, they're fighting them on a raise. Thank you. Number two, of course, most of the letters he received are about cast members because we're all encouraged to comment on the cast members. Hashtag cast compliment. Right. And so I feel like maybe he's um, I don't want to say confused, but I feel like maybe he might be mistaken on the, the reason why. I think a lot of people are giving love to cast members because they know they're not paid well. And so they know that this is going to be at least some sort of like emotional raise (laughs) for a cast member to get complimented about their job. So maybe they'll get a raise or maybe they'll get something else that in their HR file. Exactly. It's not because like that's what we care about. Although it, it that's the thing about the parks. It's everything. You can't boil it down to one specific thing. It all feeds together. Exactly. But this guy is so dollars and cents penny wise. He just he doesn't understand that he doesn't understand the synergy of all these things working together. He he looks at all the individual elements. Is this profitable? Is this profitable? Is this profitable? And here's the other thing. Not for nothing. And I get it. Okay, maybe those letters. I have never been affected by an interaction with a cast member. I've been (laughs) going to these parks for 20 years. I don't remember one cast member I've ever interacted with. Yeah. Okay. A couple of people are nice. Yeah. That's not it. No. My 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 memories are. Oh my God. Me and my friends watching Illuminations and crying and getting drunk and like you know going on this ride and laughing and like it's not about any cast member doing anything for me. No. Here's what I remember in my top three interactions in no particular order was when uh, Taryn and Alice and I went to the Disneyland Hotel and we came back and all of Alice's toys were lined up on the bed really nice and neat. The cast member went an extra mile. I did not write a cast compliment for that person because I just didn't care, I I guess, or I did tip them. Yeah, of course. Um, The other one is when Maddie, uh, you know, got us in ahead of the line on um, Indiana Jones. 
And then when Brittany got us in the head of a line on Matterhorn or uh, uh, Mater's Junkyard Derp Derp, that's it. Everybody else is just a, a person in a costume to me. I don't care. Not that I don't care about cast members, but they're, most of the time you're not actually interacting with them. They're telling you when to move forward and to this cart or how many in your party. Okay, please go this way. That's not a complimentary like thing. It's nothing for you to go. Wow. You know, that one time, like when I'm 95, I'm not going to be like, you know, Alice, one time at Disneyland, this cast member told me that I could fit three people on this bench and this ride. (laughs) And I've never forgotten it. Never, ever forgotten it. Nobody thinks about that. It's like when you have a problem, then maybe the cast member is like, oh, really nice. But they, they sort of operate on just a general or a more general higher level of customer service than most companies. But that's about that's about it. I don't know. It's, I think you're right. Like it's the cast members are obviously very important and I want them to get more money. But at the same time, you don't really remember them because 95 percent of the cast members you see, you never interact with you. You, you buy a churro here. You stand in line here and they smile at you and you go, cool, I'm out. Yeah, it's transactional. It's transactional. What you said about he goes, he's banging on and on about how important the cast members are and then won't pay it. And they're, they're fighting them in this negotiation. That yeah. really just gets I, my goat. I saw that clip. I was like, I got to play this. I got to play this because it, you, you can't have it both ways. You cannot talk out both sides of your Mickey hat or whatever the phrase is for this. Yeah, boy, man, he really goes. He sends me on such an emotional roller coaster. Like the first clip, I'm like, I agree with everything he's saying. This guy's genius. And then the next one, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna burn this guy. <laughs> hey, you should go as him as Halloween. Oh, that'd be so good. I don't think I'm handsome enough. Uh, that's basically it. Just a couple key moments of there. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting to talk about because it sort of lets you in as to as to their thinking behind it. And we all kind of know, like, okay, it's to limit cast, but. They're trying, at least what they're saying is they're trying to limit guests coming into the park to give everybody in the park. Oh, the other thing you said in that clip, the the first clip heard is that they want people who actually come to the park to have a good time. To me, that sort of sounds like you can be online all day long. If you haven't been in the park in five years and you're complaining about this thing, it doesn't really matter. We don't care about you. We care about people who come into the park physically. We want these people to have a good time. So it's almost like they're not paying attention to what's going on online. They don't care. Unless you're visiting the park, your opinion doesn't really matter to them. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the well, way I read it. Then he sort of has to figure out who online is complaining and hasn't been there and who's, who's, been, in, who's been there and complains right. as well. Like, I'm there and I complain. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I have street cred. <laughs> you have something, man. But <laughs> I don't know. What I have is a big problem. And I probably should be going to some sort of therapist about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyhow. JPEG is my therapist. JPEG is your therapist. All right, that's what I got for you. That's all I got. I loved it. I thought that was a great story. I think you really brought it home. <laughs> what a finale. Yeah. Congratulations to you. It was you know really what I a story. It was just. I'm your biggest fan. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. To me, that means a lot. It makes me feel good. Yeah. I'm glad it does. <laughs> it doesn't do anything for me. Oh, well, that's all right. It doesn't have to. Right. You got one more? No, that's you're it. done. I did. Th- I did three. All right, you're done. That's right. I got one real quick one here. Oh, oh, my God. I love it. I'm so happy. I was so worried it was over. You know what it is? Yeah, this is like the concert and it ends. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, OK, they've done it. They've done it all. And then the, they, the band comes out. In this case, Yanni comes back out and gets on the piano and you're like, he's going to give us one more. Yeah. And you're like, what is he doing at a Shania Twain concert? I don't understand. <laughs> Uh, we've talked a lot about Kathleen Kennedy, who's uh, heading up Star Wars, Lucasfilm rather. And she's sort of like the executive producer of all the Star Wars stuff. And a lot of yes. people online have been sort of complaining about her because it doesn't really seem like there's much of a direction 
with uh, the company the, has no direction. Yeah, right. With how the Star Wars, the, the Star Wars, the Star Wars train is sort of moving and it sort of seems convoluted and the stories are weird. And there's, you know, a couple of movies where directors have laughed and come and gone. And it's just no one really is. No one really cares so much, I guess, about the way they used to about Star Wars. Well, apparently recently, Disney has advised Kathleen Kennedy to stop announcing Star Wars projects. A new detailed story by former Hollywood reporter editor Matt Baloney has sh- Baloney has shared a lot of insight into the struggles of Lucasfilm and President Kathleen Kennedy to get to the next era of Star Wars films developed. This December, it will have been three years since the last time the Star Wars movies hit the big screen. And except for Indiana Jones 5 next year, it looks like we're looking at another three year window before a theatrical Lucasfilm production happens again. Ever since the rise of Skywalker premiered in theaters back in 2019, Kathleen Kennedy has announced two live action Star Wars movies. On May 4th, 2020, the company released an official statement saying that the Takia Watiti would be co-writing and directing a new film set in a galaxy far, far away. It has been two and a half years and the movie is still not written. Later that year, on December 10th, it was also announced that Patty Jenkins would be directing Rogue Squadron. Now that project is on the back burner. As a result, uh, this uh, editor, Matt, is saying that Disney CEO Bob Chapek has advised Kathleen Kennedy to stop announcing projects until they are set in stone to avoid further negative press surrounding the franchise and the company. Yeah, uh, this may be the reason why no film announcements were made at either Star Wars Celebration in May or D23 in September. In an interview published in May but conducted in March, Kathleen Kennedy said Lucasfilm would be ready to make a film announcement in two months' time, which would indicate original plans to make a splash at, at uh, the Star Wars Celebration. For now, it seems like the project closest to production is the Damien Lindoff written movie, which just received a major boost. Uh, with reports that Oscar winner uh, Charmaine Chinoy is in talks to direct whatever um, that script is being written right now. Since the release of Rise of Skywalker, Star Wars, uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Anyway, so Chapek is saying, shut the shut up for a second. Stop. Put a sock in yeah. it, Kennedy. We, you, you're driving us all crazy. So I've complained about Kathleen Kennedy several times over the years. And, um, you know, I decided today to, like, look up what she's actually done. Like how she's oh, gotten God. Here. in depth. Yes, I know, because it's it, it seems crazy that she has, in my opinion, sort of dropped the ball on roll on rolling the Star Wars universe forward with uh, the, the announcements of projects that don't happen. The chaotic release of them. The writing is bad. The storylines aren't good. It doesn't it's not grabbing people. Andor is the first Star Wars thing that has come out post Disney that I've really enjoyed. So I want to know what else she's done, maybe so I can like hate on some of these projects. And I tell you what, this woman has been like the linchpin producer in so many movies that have defined popular culture. It's amazing. This person. Really? Yes. I hate what she's doing to Star Wars right now. Check this out. Her first film as a producer, E.T. Oh, wow. Right. But she doesn't get any credit for that. That's Spielberg. But I'm saying. She, she produced E.T. It. It was a producer. Now nah, you do stuff. She's born in Berkeley. I didn't know that. So she produced E.T. Uh, executive produced Gremlins. Threw from, money at it. Pr- no, you do much more, <laughs> much more than just E.P. You're not you're doing much more than funding stuff. You're actually like doing actual it's actual work. Uh, the color purple money pit Goonies back to the future. 
Goonies I'm, was terrible. By stop the way. it. I'm going to reach through the internet possible and slap you. Did you say back to the future? I did. Oh, I love that movie. Hook. Terrible. Oh. <laughs> Arachnophobia. Jurassic Park. Who framed oh. Roger Rabbit? Back to the future. Part two. Gremlins two. Indian Ugh. in the cupboard. Congo. It sucked. Bridges of Madison County. Twister. Twister uh, was terrible. Oh, Jamie Gertz. Oh. It wasn't a great movie, but for ILM, it was a big movie. It was big for the movie effects uh, back then. It was it was uh, one of those one of those lines in the milestones, one of those lines in the right. timeline where you like knock this one is a big leap forward for VFX. Also, um, by the way, R.I.P. the guy that was in it who was in Titanic, but also they're making a Twister too. Oh, they just announced Electric that. Boogaloo. Hell yeah. Um, the Sixth Sense. She helped bring to the screen Cape Fear in 1991. Schindler's List. Um, and then it sort of goes off the deep end. <laughs> it's like the Flintstones. Signs. The Young Black Stallion. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. The Last Airbender. Like she sort of has like fallen off lately. Here's the thing. Well, first of all, movies have fallen off. Nothing's good anymore. So with the movie industry, she has started to suck as well. But here's the thing. She's an executive producer. She's not involved in the creative of any of this stuff. This woman has attached her name like the loser. And, you know, there's a person in your office who like it's like who like attaches himself to every project. It's like, well, you just happen to be involved. That is not. No, that's not what executive producers do. No, no, no. They buy the script. They're dealing with the legal. They're dealing with uh, uh, coordinating everything. They absolutely have input on what what script uh, what the script says, how the movie turns out. That's like saying a realtor is responsible for the house. They're not the architect. They're not the decorator. They just sell it. No, that's incorrect. I'm sorry. Fundamentally, (laughs) you're incorrect. Okay, fine. Whatever. That's what I think. And that's what I'm going to. But I just told you. you're wrong. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't know if I necessarily believe that what you say is right. Uh, really? Okay. Well, um, you know, here we go. The director and the writer, I think, are far more important in terms of defining a movie than the executive producer. Yes. The, the, yes. Okay. Far more important. More important. Well, look, with every cog in a wheel or every cog in a machine, right? The executive producer is the head producer who supervises other producers in the creation of a film. They may work independently or they ensure the film is completed on time within budget and to artistic and technical standards. They're a financer, but they also assemble the team. So the executive producer hires everybody. They introduce concept and ideas that may align with brand initiatives, ensure production, supervise others. So they hire the director. They hire the writer. They do all this stuff. Just saying. They have input. Look at Bob Iger. He had input. He wasn't even an executive producer. Kathleen Kennedy's in like these writing rooms and stuff like that. It's terrible, which is why I no, think she's that she's not in bad. a writing room. She's not in a writing room. We've talked about it on the show where she's been in the writing room. Anyway, that's all I got. I'm finally done with you. <laughs> I feel like I can you finally get like, out of here. I'm that cat that's behind the table. Knocking you know stuff <laughs> over. No, you know that meme where no. the cat's just like, <laughs> and the person's yelling at it. I have not seen that, oddly enough. Oh my god, you I feel like you made it up. The meme is so great. It's like a person passionately screaming and a cat just behind the table, like <laughs> no. Um, it's the best. Yeah, I don't know, man. Sorry. We're out of here, Jeremy. That's it. 
We're done. Well, that was great. I feel riled up. I'll never get to sleep now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate it very much. Um, I'm thinking about having a walkabout on Friday. If anyone wants to join me, I'll probably put that out there um, tomorrow. Possibly. Okay. Possibly. Right. It's a big weekend. Halloween weekend's a big weekend for me, but you know. Yeah, right I go out drink. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, Halloween's on Monday. My birthday is on November 7th, and you can send gifts to me. Just email me. I'll give you my address. Uh, if you don't have it from last year, everybody. You sent me gifts. No, I did. I'm just kidding. Anyway, uh, that's it. We're done. We're out of here. What do you think of that? I love it. All right. Uh, find us on uh, social media. TikTok. I just put a TikTok together of our last in-depth, Ooh, dirty which is sort of just like a, uh, a mashup of like funny things that were said and weird stuff. And uh, I noticed that. I, I actually might be like fun. I don't know. It might be fun to keep liked, trying that. I like the compilation, but you posted it to your personal Instagram. And yeah, not I didn't mean to because Instagram. I don't know how it works. I think I have to be logged into the ears up one first and then get back in a TikTok and then do the thing and whatever. So... Um, I'll, I no can I can repost it. Everyone saw it. Like 200 people have seen it. Well, you might want to repost it to ears up. That's what I just said. <laughs> You're as bad as Taryn. You know that? You and Taryn are just... I am, if I am as bad as I am in good company, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And until next time, we'll see you. <laughs>